Today's Coffee Connection is another music episode. This time, I chatted with Lukas Akintaya, a German-Nigerian jazz drummer and composer. Between 2018 and 2020, Lukas studied as a DAD scholar at the New York University. My name is Hanni Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. In our conversation, Lukas shared his path to pursuing a professional career as a jazz composer and drummer. And he compared his experience as a musician in Berlin with his most recent one in New York. We also talked about the unique challenges as a jazz musician, and Lucas shared how to best support young emerging artists. To get you in the mood, you'll first hear two minutes from a song from afar. Have a listen. Lucas Akintaya. I am a drummer, musician, composer, improviser, and originally from Germany. From Far is a song that I wrote for a relatively new band of mine, which I formed last year. And that band features saxophonist and clarinetist Jeremy Viner, electric guitarist Keisuke Matsuno, and electric bassist Simon German. And furthermore, you can hear Elias Stemmeseder on synth on that tune. And I wrote that song as a dedication to a very dear person, very close person in my social circle. I recorded that tune for my new record, which is yet to be released, amongst other compositions that kind of wrap up my musical experience or my general overall experience that I made here in New York City through my master's studies. 
and from far is also the title track from that new record which is hopefully going to come out towards the end of the year this year 2020 or early 2021 and you are a DAD music scholarship recipient which means that you um, you did mention that you are an MA student or you were you just graduated congratulations uh, first of all and so the reason why we talk is because normally DAD has a concert called Sound Understanding in Carnegie Hall and because of the pandemic and the closures unfortunately we had to cancel that and normally you would have played with other musicians and it would have been yeah. a beautiful concert. It is very sad that this didn't happen, but for me, yeah, the silver is. lining is because I'm on the West Coast and I usually never interact with the musicians and I never get to hear the music. That's the silver lining for me. And through this episode, also other people will be able to hear more from you and also- hear your music. So while it is sad that the concert didn't happen, I think for me and for the listeners, that's the silver lining that we really are able to chat with you and hear some of your music. I always want to know where everything started. So just take me back your first experience and how you became interested in music and then specifically drumming. I am originally, as I mentioned, from Germany, and more specifically from a smaller city in the north of Germany, close to Hamburg, called Lüneburg. And I grew up in a somewhat musical environment, even though my parents are not professional musicians. But music kind of runs in the family. My grandmother is a vocalist, hobby vocalist mostly, but she has a beautiful voice. (laughs) And also my father is very musical. My mother plays some piano and my grandfather plays violin, my aunt plays violin, my uh, uncle is a professional pianist, my aunt is a pianist. So there is a lot of music in the family and I was exposed to that from a very early age and started playing violin actually when I was three years old and then switched to guitar when I was five. I'm not actually sure if this is true, but my mom and my grandmother told me that I was a very, a very active child, <laughs> if I want to say, uh, with a positive connotation, and that they kind of just wanted to give me something to kind of release all my energy. <laughs> so they bought me a drum set when I was six, which apparently was their golden ticket to some peace and rest. I just and- wanted to say peace, not necessarily if it's a drum set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, true. But yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that kind of got me into drumming. And I first took classical lessons. I was taking lessons with a local teacher who is still a friend of mine, who's not much older than me, who is a really great classical percussionist and drummer. And I... I was never really so much drawn into the classical world of percussion, especially, even though I always had classical music around me. My mom was always listening to a lot of classical music, but I never felt the urge to perform classical music myself. I was playing like in a little orchestra, a little local orchestra, a children's orchestra when I was like eight, nine, ten. But I really got into 
introduced to jazz and funk and pop, well, not so much pop, but rather like jazz funk, when I was 14 and I started taking lessons with a teacher at the local music school who introduced me to all that. And then slowly I was participating in local workshops, which are organized by the music school as well. Um, really great workshops that are meant for, you know, younger people, for children and people um, under, I guess, under 17, 18. So most of the people were around my age at the time. And I started to play in a local band called Raum 13, which is also a music school band. So the music school kind of really helped me developing into a direction of more improvised musics. After that, after I played and performed, I had my first experiences with performing with these bands, I decided that I want to become a professional musician when I was around 16, 17. And yeah, started looking out for schools and started to realize that it is not as easy and uh, blew me as I was thinking. Not, not, not the glamorous rock star lifestyle. Yeah, not, not always. <laughs> Can you give examples and, and uh, what that meant for you and the realities of it? Well, I must say that I am very grateful to be able to do what I'm doing. I think that is, that is very important for me to mention right in the beginning because I think it is a great privilege and not everyone can do what they love doing. So I don't really see a reason to complain, even though sometimes, of course, jazz is a realm of music that is oftentimes associated with older you know, older people, older folks, and it is not most of the times, or I guess from most of the people, not really conceived as a music that is also interesting to younger folks. But I feel that it's changing a lot. And especially in Berlin and New York, there are a lot of alternative concepts and people that are musicians and also curators that are interested in creating a base for younger musicians uh, or, or people that are younger people that are interested in improvised music. And, but of course, the hard part as coming back to your question, what is not so glamorous is of course, the systematic problem of underpaid musicianhood, which I think is especially visible in jazz because classical music has, at least in Germany, has this huge funding aspect to it, which is not really the case in jazz, even though that's changing a lot and there is a lot of grants and a lot of possibilities also to get funding for projects. But in classical music, that is just a whole different game. Also, this whole system of playing in an orchestra and having your, you know, your safe job in this or that orchestra and coming there to the rehearsals and getting your fixed pay, that doesn't exist in jazz. So you kind of always depend on yourself. You always have to really work and know what you want in a way. We work on something continuously because it just takes time until a project really gets also recognized mm. from curators. A lot of the musicians at this point really make the most of their money through concerts. I assume that's also truth for you and for jazz in general, right? It is, it is, yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of musicians are also teachers, 
which I, yeah, I guess most of the musicians actually at the moment have to really teach in order to, to make a living. But besides that, the major source of income is for sure performing. How would you describe your style of music? You said it's jazz, but if you were to describe your specific style, how would you describe that? That is a very interesting and yet very hard question to answer because the influences that I have in my own playing and my, my, my writing are very diverse. I'm really interested in a lot of different musics. And I think all of these influences play a big role in my music. I'm coming from a jazz background, so I always, or I grew up kind of uh, listening to a lot of, you know, classic jazz records. And also through my education, my undergrad studies in Berlin, where I was studying with really great teachers like John Hollenbeck or Kurt Rosenwinkel or Greg Cohen, amongst others. They all put an emphasis on checking out the tradition and I guess understanding what it means to be a jazz musician and, and where that music is coming from. Some sort of cultural appropriation for the music that we're playing. And I really love that music, even though I must say that I probably most of the gigs that I'm playing nowadays are not swing traditional jazz gigs. That actually happens very, very seldomly. So the music that I'm playing now is, I guess, a mix of that. And I guess the, the improvisational aspect of jazz, which is, you know, like the, the African-American art form, the African-American art form, the aspect that is the most important, or I don't know if I can say that, but that seems the most apparent is the aspect of improvisation. So improvisation, I guess, plays a huge role in my music. And I'm always trying to make space for the people that I play with in my playing, but also in my writing to enable them to express themselves in my music. But as you were asking, besides, besides that improvisational and jazz background, there is also a lot of contemporary classical music that I'm interested in. There's a lot of electronic music that I listen to and that I'm getting into and trying to get into my music. I listen to a lot of rock, also indie rock and experimental pop bands, also a lot of classical, classical music and avant-garde music. There is classical avant-garde or classical um, new music. There are a lot of different influences, I guess. And it's, it's a little bit hard to pin it down to one you know, to one genre. But that probably also makes it really interesting understanding and knowing like a little bit of everything to also then know. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is different. I'm not a musician, but I always feel like um, studying academia, social sciences, humanities, I always embrace like interdisciplinary work and always looking also at other perspectives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that is something that I'm definitely trying to incorporate in my music. Because I think also nowadays, mo most musics that we listen to or that I am interested in, and I think that most or many people are interested in, I wouldn't say most people, but many, are a conglomerate of different influences. And what we're going to hear next is a composition of mine entitled Toda 2. Toda is Hebrew and means thank you. And this song is also written for the same ensemble as the ensemble that you heard in the beginning from Bar. 
Todar, Toda 2 is in contrast to From Far, a rather open composition where I wanted to give the musicians a little more freedom to express my melodic and harmonic ideas. The saxophone is always leading each of the fermatas, that means like each of the melodic, melodic parts that are introduced. And the rest of the band is kind of following. to talk about my own music <laughs> so well, what i'm curious is how did you record this yeah both of those pieces were recorded in the dolan studio which is a studio in manhattan and i was very fortunate to work with joe bransafort who is an amazing producer and engineer and also a great mixer and great for mastering too which he all did for my record and he worked with really amazing musicians that I really appreciate and musicians like Ben Maunder or Jim Black or um, Tim Byrne, many other people from the Brooklyn scene, very interesting contemporary artists. And he's also a musician himself, really interesting projects that he's involved in. He recorded that record in, let me think, that was in may i believe may 2019 so a year ago it seems like a lifetime ago and now with all the yeah, changes it does. that it happen does. it does yeah it does for sure yeah and on a couple of other tunes none of the tunes that i that we're going to hear today there is you can hear billy drews who is a really amazing soprano saxophonist and who was also a teacher of mine at the new york university where I did my master's. And yeah, he is, he kind of became some sort of mentor for me throughout this whole time. And I'm really, really glad that he's on that record, even though you can't hear him right now. Well, this can. is something to look forward to. Exactly. Um, the end of the year or early 2021. You did say you studied in Berlin and now you're in New York. Of course, those are really big global metropolises and, and music scenes. What are the differences, similarities, kind of the vibe of each city you would describe from your perspective as a musician? That's a very good question. I think 
Berlin offers a lot of possibilities for, for younger musicians to play. Let me put it that way. I was studying at the Jazz Institute Berlin, which is part of the University of the Arts and part of the Hans Eisler School for Music. And the program that I studied in was really, really good. There were really, really great teachers and I really learned a lot from them. And I was, I was living in an environment of young musicians, young creative people that want to find their voice. And it was just a really, really interesting time. And I think that Berlin was offering a lot of possibilities for us, for us younger musicians to explore ourselves and explore what we want to do. Berlin offers a lot of culture. There is really a lot of great classical music and there are a lot of jazz clubs also and, and small places that you can play in. And the vibe is very, very nice. It's not very competitive, I feel. There is a lot of interest in each other and will to go forward. But of course, New York just has much, much more to offer. Just, just looking at the size of the city and the number of inhabitants, you know, there is just so much more happening here. And also, of course, New York is the cradle of jazz, sort of. It's hard to compare those two cities because they're very, very different in their own ways. But I feel that New York has a very strong pulse like there's a lot of stuff happening and it's all the time it's a constant flow of events and great events there are so many great musicians in the city and not only musicians but also visual artists and dancers and performance artists and you know actors it's overwhelming at times really and that is also something that I had to learn in the first couple of months that I arrived here, not to come with the expectation of, okay, okay I'm going to go out every night. I'm going to see something great every night because that is just too demanding, really. And well, especially I, if you also study and you have other things to do, yeah. that's just too much. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I always, already kind of had that that perspective when I moved to Berlin because I moved from Bremen because I studied in Bremen before moving to Berlin. And that's kind of the way I was feeling when I moved from Bremen to Berlin. Oh, wow, this is a huge city. There is so much going on. There are so many concerts, so many great musicians that I want to play with and learn from. And it was kind of the same thing when I moved here, but just on a different scale again, which was really interesting. In your own words, and I, I, I can imagine what that actually means for you, but just for you playing in front of an audience versus like virtually, for example, or just recording, how would you describe that in your own words? It is a very deep experience, actually. Playing in front of an audience is something that enables me to share my emotions with a group of people very directly on a very personal level, which is not given if I play in front of a camera because a camera is just, you know, a camera. And I know that there might be people listening closely and maybe even feeling the same thing that I, or a similar thing that I, that I'm feeling or that I want them to feel or them to understand, but it's not the same thing. Definitely. It's not the same thing. And, you know, the reason why, why I became, wanted to become a musician is really that it was important for me to make people understand and make people aware of, of the power of music and the emotional 
aspect of it because at the end it's really transmitting emotions to each other especially if we're playing our own music not music that is composed by someone else and that is not our our own but especially if in an improvised context it is so so important for me to have um an audience that that um you know that goes with us kind of in a way if that makes sense with the performers and also the audience also can really change the situation you know or the audience can change the way i perceive the music myself because if you have an audience that is really engaging you know and that really go where you really feel that they they are with you in a way that kind of can be a super boost you know you can you can go to places that you wouldn't have thought you can you can go to actually it's it's a really it's a really strong feeling it is a very intimate it's a very very intimate thing and i i'm not gonna say that it's always happening you know that i always open up and that i can always be you know naked in front of the audience it is it is sometimes very hard to really let go of all the of all your own judgment and and, uh, and of all the preconceptions that you might have and to just devote yourself to the music but when it happens it's just the most magical feeling ever so we did talk about that events concerts are important not just for you personally for your personal development and for the emotional connection but of course it's also a financial aspect right so for me as a consumer and maybe others listening what can we do to support music in general at the moment but then of course you specifically well you can just uh add my venmo to the description <laughs> <laughs> no just kidding um that's a huge discussion right now also amongst musicians streaming versus buying records it's a thing that i also have to make up my mind about and if you want to support artists that you really like make sure that you get a record player and buy an LP <laughs> or you buy a record as a CD or you can also you know get downloads and a band camp is pay really great pay for it pay yes. for it pay for the music <laughs> that you love of course I have to say I'm also using Spotify and I'm also using other streaming services of course but I'm also buying music and I think it's really important that we do that because the big streaming sites like you know spotify apple music they are made for you know the masses and music the music that i'm making right now is at least until now not consumed by a huge amount of people so the money that i'm making through spotify streams or apple streams apple music streams is kind of ridiculous I think it's very important to go to concerts also. If a band is playing, I mean, right now, of course, that's a little, a little hard <laughs> with yeah. everything that's going on. But once this is over, go to concerts, buy records from the bands. Also, a lot of bands, uh, a lot of projects, a lot of artists um, have campaigns, crowdfunding campaigns for upcoming records. I don't have one. Um, I never did it, actually. But... A lot of artists do that, and I think that's a great way to show support and to, yeah, to be there. And Bandcamp is a great platform for supporting artists. They have recently 
lifted all the all the fees basically that they take from like all the commission fees that they take so the money goes 100 to the artists um so that's a website we that can is a web to? website yeah bandcamp.com which is really great you can order lps and and cds and downloads uh high quality downloads and of course there's not everything but there is a lot of really really amazing music really a lot of amazing artists it's a great great page check it out One of the pieces that you allow us to play fully is Mirrors. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that before I play the whole track? So Mirrors is a composition of mine that I wrote about three years ago for a trio of mine that is, I believe, the band that I play in for the longest time. That band is called Holon Trio, and that exists since 2000, early 2014. And it is a trio with uh, Swedish pianist Povel Widestrand and uh, Danish bass player Matthias Jensen, who, by the way, also lives in New York and is uh, a graduate of the Manhattan School. And that piece was recorded in late 2017 in a really beautiful studio in Poland where we recorded our second record, Shields Down. Are we able to buy this or listen yes, to this? Yes, uh, of course. Yeah, that record, Shields Down, is available on all platforms pretty much. You can hear it directly on Spotify and Apple Music, but you can also, if you're interested in supporting the trio and enabling us to record more of our music, you can also purchase the record either directly on our website, holontrio.com, or on the website of the label, which is Berthold Records. Thank you. 
Anything that I didn't ask that you would like to share? Well, I'll, I'll make it short, really. Support your local artists, not only musicians, but all sorts of art. It's such, it's such an interesting and such an, not interesting even, it's such a powerful and crucial and necessary and part of our society. I feel that, that it's oftentimes way too much neglected and doesn't get as much attention as it should. And yeah, support your local artists, go to concerts, go to performances, go to I theaters. Think that, yeah, that's a nice way of ending this episode, yeah. I think. And reminding everyone and supporting also means paying. This was my coffee connection with Lucas Akintaya. You can find more about Lucas and his music at lucasakintaya.com as well as holontrio.com. A great platform for supporting indie artists is bandcamp.com. And you'll find all links in the show notes. All content is created and edited by me, Hani Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at DAD.org. Stay safe, healthy, and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break. <laughs>